0: Those of you who are staying, turning your Bibles to the Book of Psalms, Book of Psalms. Now, Mike, I'm I'm going to recap last week. So just, I mean, just cover your ears. Uh, I was preaching about hell last week, and I, I I saw several people, you know, laughing. I saw Cameron. And somebody in the back laughing i'm like what i'm speaking i'm preaching on hell what in the world is going on in here i mean brother frank there were people over there laughing i think what are you can what can you be laughing about hell well, when i started talking about uh preaching about maggots and this that you know they, they had their own worms i didn't re- i didn't realize but i saw it out of the corner of my eye mike was kind of turning the corner doing this right here and they were laughing at mike and it really wasn't funny though wasn't mike Amen. 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 So last week we took it, took a look at things that that about hell and what we needed to know and what we needed to be reminded about hell. Most of what we heard we we knew very well, but we were reminded of how horrible the place called hell really is. And after the sermon, Mike said, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> we we learned that hell is a very literal place of endless suffering that those who were currently in hell can never, ever, will be uh, released or never leave hell. We learned that <clears throat> they have their own personal flesh-eating worms, and that they were tortured by endless flames as their bodies were salted as, in such a way that, that to, to never burn up. We also learned that the people... Uh, who were will, will be in hell are murderers, pedophiles, sexual deviants, and a lot, a lot of good people. Just, I mean, good people. But they're in hell because they would not accept Jesus as their personal Savior. Now, today I, I want to preach a, a very different message than last week. I want us to look at, at a very simple but powerful, very powerful prayer. Now, <clears throat> I want y'all to understand something. We need a prayer life. Everybody needs a prayer life. We, we need to be in contact with Jesus, with our Lord, every single day. And in many different reasons, we, we need to be in prayer. Amen? Now, I saw a funny video around the holidays about there was a, a gathering, and, and people were, you know, just packed in this room, and, and they were getting ready to eat, and, and you hear this person watching the video, scanning the crowd, looking at the food, Alec, and he's saying, please don't call on Aunt Susie. Please don't call on Aunt Susie. Please, please, dear God, don't call on Aunt Susie. If you call on Aunt Susie, she's going to preach a sermon. We're not going to eat for 30 minutes. The food is going to be cold. We all have that one person. I remember when I was at Calvary Baptist Church, and Amy and I sit right over here about where, where Becky is that's where Amy and I sat every Sunday right beside her grandmother and the preacher would preach a message I mean he'd preach it brother he'd he'd preach it he'd he'd I mean he'd chuck the corn and then afterwards, he'd give the invitation, just like we have an invitation here. And then and after that, after all decisions were made and all announcements were made, he, he would call on somebody in the congregation, just like I call on somebody in the congregation, to dismiss us in prayer. And I'm thinking, please, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord, I, listen, I, I'm glad to be here. Please don't let him call on J.C. Neely. Do you remember that? And it's not because he, he wasn't, a, 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 I mean, he couldn't pray, brother. He could pray. But he was an older gentleman. And, and it, Preacher Mara would preach. I mean, so, sometime he'd preach 45 minutes. And I, J.C. would pray for 10 or 15, it seemed. And this is how it would go. Lord God, we just want to praise you. God, and we're just like, thank you for the message that we just heard. And then we heard the message again in the prayer. And, and you're just like, hey, let, 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 well, bro, why, why are you saying this, Brother Kyle? Because we're going to be talking about a prayer, a very powerful, powerful prayer that, listen, it, it, it slapped me in the face this morning. It did. This, this powerful prayer slapped me in the face this morning. I, I'm, I'm guilty. I, I need this prayer th- this, this morning t- today. But listen, it's like three sentences. If you study prayer in Scripture, you you don't ever, even when Jesus prayed, when when the disciples came and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, Jesus didn't say, okay, watch this, guys, and sit there and pray for 45 minutes. That's not what he did. Most of the prayers were very short, simple, but powerful prayers. This morning, we're going to see one. So turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. David records, or or writes, and and it's recorded as, as him saying this in Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone to all the earth and their words to the ends of the inhabited world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a groom coming for the bridal chamber. It rejoices like an athlete running a course It rises from one of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul and, and the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. Making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right. Making the heart glad, the commandment of the Lord is radiant making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable. What are the, 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 the instructions of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord, and the ordinance of the Lord? Listen, it's, he, he says this. He says, they are more desirable than gold, than the abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey than honey dripping from the comb. In addition, your servant is warned by them. There's a great reward for keeping them. David starts preparing himself now. Who perceives this, his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed from blatant rebellion. He said all of that. He said all of that to himself. Now, the the prayer is in verse 14. Y'all ready for this prayer? It's a very powerful, very powerful but short prayer. He says, may the words of my mouth, And the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins again. And Lord, we we pray that you'll forgive us where we fail you. We do, Lord. We pray right now, God, that you would help us to feel your presence, to know that you're here. Help us to see this scripture. Apply it to our lives, God, because it's applicable to my life. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. Now, you you heard the prayer. Listen to the prayer again. Listen listen one more time. We're going to hear it several times. David says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Church, Anytime I read a psalm, I, I remind myself that it, it's, it is a, what, what is a psalm? It is a, it's a song. It's a song, S-O-N-G. It's a song unto the Lord, or a hymn usually written by David. I then try to, to find out if commentators have any idea what time in David's life he, he has written this particular psalm. Now, as we understand the psalm that we just read, I I, I wonder if David wrote this psalm when he was tending sheep as a young boy. As he was out there watching his father's sheep by himself in the night sky, and he thought to himself how good God is early in his youth, before he'd made any bonehead mistakes. And and we look at David and we think, man, I can't can't believe David did some of the things that he did. I can't believe that David said some of the things that he said. He went some of the places that he went. And then we need to remind ourselves that the same David was given a title. And that title was The Man After God's Own Heart. A man after God's own heart said some of the things he said, did some of the things he did, had an unbelief, he, he committed adultery and then killed the man's husband or, or yeah, the woman's husband that he had adultery with. Premeditated murder. And this man was the man after God's own heart. When did he write this? Was it when he was younger and he hadn't made all those mistakes? Could be. Could he have written it when he was trying to hide from King Saul? Y'all know the story of King Saul? He he heard that uh, Samuel had anointed him and David and, and and he didn't like it. So he started hunting him down. There were several times, I believe at least two times in Scripture, where David could have killed King Saul, rightly so. I mean, he was trying to kill, kill David. Why not? Okay, David, you have permission. And David wouldn't do it. There was one time he was in the cave hiding beside David, and David had a spear to him. He could have killed him, Caleb, but he didn't. He didn't. Is this when he stepped out and said, God, all my power, all my strength, all my mercy, all my grace comes from you. I could not do this. This man willfully wants to kill me. He is pursuing me. He is like a rabid dog chasing me down. I've done nothing wrong, Lord, but praise you. And here he is trying to kill me. The king is trying to kill me. God, I praise you because you have not done the same to me. Was it then that David wrote that? Or, or maybe he wrote it when he paced the rooftop on a hot summer night. Y- y'all, y'all know that, that steamy, steamy scripture? We talked about it just a second ago. When David, hey, listen, he was, he was up on the roof, just hot, and it was a hot night. And, and, and he looked across the, the tops of the buildings, and, and there was Bathsheba bathing on top of the roof. You know what David should have done when he, you know, glimpsed that? I mean, it, it was an innocent thing at first. Colin, you know what he should have done when he glimpsed across the rooftops and saw this beautiful woman that, that the Satan had put right there in front of him, the most beautiful, voluptuous woman in his eyes? I mean, she might have been ugly to us, but God, I mean, Satan knew exactly who to put in front of David's eyes. You know what David should have done? He should have said, whoops, and gone back inside. Because it was a natural thing for for people to bathe on rooftops on a hot summer night in in Jerusalem in that time. But David didn't. He stayed and he watched. I wonder, before all of that happened, as he was up there cooling himself in the night, he, he remembered the Lord, but how easily, how easily Satan can pull you to the other side. I I wonder if it was then that he he wrote it. Or could it have been when when David was once again, later on in his life, hiding, not from another king this time, but from his own son Absalom, when Absalom thought that he should be the rightful king? And David could have killed his son immediately. He could have sent soldiers and said, look, I'm not dealing with this again. I'm not dealing with this again. I know he's my son, but I'm tired of his mouth. Any of y'all ever got tired of your children's mouth? He just said, look, you know, go get him and take him to jail. I'm not going to kill him, but if he, if he keeps pursuing, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to take care of this boy. I'm going to show him who the rightful king is. Could it have been when, when David was running from Absalom? That he looked up at the night sky and his hiding, and he said, Lord God, I, I, I can't believe we're doing this again, but I'm still praising you. Could it have been then? Church scholars are not sure when David wrote this word we just read of Psalm 19. But they are all certain of this one thing, that when David wrote Psalm 19, his heart was full of praise to God for what he could see with his own eyes. That should be enough for us. That should be enough for us. Do you know, we we talked Wednesday night about an unbelievable miracle that God had done there was these Jewish authorities and, and they were Jewish and they were trying to cast out demons out of this individual and they they couldn't they couldn't do it they'd used all the resources that the jewish faith had provided them to cast these this demon out and it wasn't working they had a little assembly and they said look you know paul paul's having some success you know why why don't we you know do it the way paul's doing it and and they said okay that's that, that's a good idea so they, they walked up to this demon and said in the name of jesus who paul preaches get out get out of him That demon looked at him and said, hey, Jesus, I know. Paul, we've heard of and we know. But who are you? Who who do you think you are? Who is it that you think you are? Understand, church, David's heart was pure at this time when he wrote this. And our hearts need to be pure in times when we come to the Lord. Lord. What is it about us? What is it that we want? We want that miracle. We want to see that miracle. If we could just see that miracle, if we could just experience something like that, if that, if that could take place, boy, listen, you know what would happen? This church would be packed next Sunday morning. No, it wouldn't. It'd be packed tonight. It'd be packed Wednesday. It'd be packed next Sunday. It, it would stay packed. We'd have to, we'd have to sell tickets or, or give tickets in the, in the, in the, in the, in the vestibule before, before people could come in. Why is that? Because we experience the miracle of God. Listen, you experience the miracle of God with your eyes every single day. And that's what we're, we're hearing David write this psalm about. We are a miracle. You are a miracle. And yet we just won't one more. We want, to experience one. we want to experience a real miracle. Well, you are a real miracle. What had David so inspired to write the prayer in verse 14? What is it that so inspired David to write his prayer in verse 14? Well, there's a lot. As I said just a second ago, it was what he could see. Look at verse 1 of, 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 of Psalm 19. David says this, the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Isn't that beautiful? I want you to understand something. Tonight, when you go outside and you look up at the night sky, you're going to see the exact same thing that David is talking about. This wasn't something, you know, oh, well, that happened in, in the Old Testament. And, 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 and he, he's, he's seeing something new and different. No, it's not. David was looking in the sky, looking up into the heavens, looking into the universe, just like we have the opportunity to every single night. And, 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 and look at the stars. Like David was that night, that's, that's the, sa- the same stars, the same universe. And we look at it and we're just like, yeah, oh, look, look, boy, boy, look at the moon. The moon sure is pretty tonight. Look, 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 look there are those three stars right there. The, you know, those three stars that I told my children, but look, look there they are right there. But that's what we say. Listen to what David says. David says, the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the work of his hands. That's what inspired verse 14. But there's more. Not only by what he could see, but but how, but how it was seen, commun- what is seen is com- how it communicates. Look at, look at verse 3. What you see communicates to you. Everything you see communicates something to you. And this is what what David was seeing communicated to him. He says, day after day, they pour out a speech. What? What he's seeing. The the stars, the universe, the trees, the birds, the the sky, the rivers, the streams, the, the lakes, the ocean, the sand. Everything he can see, he says, day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. But there's no speech, he says. There's no speech. There are no words. There is not even a voice heard. But David, you're not making sense. All things are created. They speak every single day, but they don't say a word. They don't say a word, but it's even more powerful than that. They speak by what you see. They communicate. They don't say a word, but in verse 3, he says this. He says, there is, he says, in verse 4, it says, their message has gone out to all of the earth, and their words to the ends of the inhabited world. Y'all know what that sounds like to me? Romans chapter 1, verse 20, God reveals himself through his creation. Even the invisible things are clearly seen that man is without excuse for not glorifying God. So David tells us what he sees, communicates to all the world of who God is and his majesty. But then he does something else. David then says, just consider one thing that's created out of all of the universe, all the listen, Bailey, he could have picked anything, anything, and made this same illustration. He says, "But I just want you to consider one thing. Look at verse four B. He says, "In the heavens, he pitched a tent for the sun." There's his illustration. What's he going to use? The sun." Now understand something, the son, he's using the S-U-N to point back to God, the son. The son always points back to the father church, amen, amen. Are y'all awake with me this morning? So he uses the son, he says, it's like a groom, the son is like a groom coming from the bridal chamber. What in the world does that mean? coming from the bridal chamber. When, when Jews are, are married, they, they go straight to the bridal chamber, and they have relations for the very first time. He says the son is like the groom coming from the bridal chamber. You reckon he's happy? To be with his wife for the very first time, they've lived together, Butch, for a year. He's never touched her. The wedding ceremony has gone on and on and on, just like Jewish fashion. He finally has permission from the father to take his bride to the bridal chamber. During the wedding feast, he takes his bride that he finally gets to touch to the bridal chamber. He goes in there, loves on his wife, and comes out. Do you think he's happy That is what David is talking about with the son as he gives illustration. He says it's like the the groom coming from the bridal chamber. It's like it it rejoices, the son rejoices like an athlete running a course. You ever seen an athlete run the course? After he's trained and trained and trained, the gun goes off, he takes off stand, and, and listen, he might not be in first, but he's in competition. And he's catching up. He's like an athlete. What, what's so special about an athlete? An athlete trains to be an athlete. He trains to run that course. The sun, he says, is, is like an athlete doing what it is supposed to be doing. Verse 6 says this, It rises from one end of the heaven and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Nothing. Nothing. What is David saying? He says, look at that one thing. Look. Look at that one thing. How just majestic it is. And David didn't even have the scientific ability to understand at that point in time. If the sun was just two miles closer to the earth, we'd burn up. If it was two miles further from the earth, Miss Desi, we'd freeze, right? It has been placed exactly where it is to sustain man on this earth. Boy, David could have gone off on that, couldn't he? If he had just understood. But he understood enough by just giving that one illustration to us, church. Verse 14 was also inspired by the Word of God. David doesn't want to leave that part out. Verse 14 was inspired by the actual Word of God. Verse 7 says this The instruction of the Lord is perfect, it's perfect. What, what would the church look like if we as Christians understood that and proclaim that and actually believe that? The word of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I don't know what happens to you when I sit down and I spend time in God's word, but it revives my soul. L- listen, he says, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. You can trust him. You know, there's people in this world that I always thought I could trust, and when I had to put my trust in them, I couldn't trust them, Stan. I couldn't. I thought I could, but I couldn't. But there's never been a time where I've gone to the Lord and I said, Lord, I I need you. I need you. That He hasn't been trustworthy. But David goes on, he says this, making the the inexperienced wise, that's what I need. He says, the precepts, the precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad, and the commandments of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever the ordinances of the Lord. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous, Church, we can have faith in the Word of God. There's a lot of things we, we've lost faith in in this world, but we don't ever have to lose faith in the Word of God. Scripture says the Word of God will go on forever. People have tried to destroy it, burn it, get rid of it, do completely away with it. China right now is trying to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, but they can't. They cannot. The people are in hiding, worshiping, like we ought to worship today in our church. The Word of God will never die. And that's what inspired David to write verse 14. But there's something else. Verse 14 was inspired because the Word of God has value. It's not only only, always going to live, but it has great value. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, they are They are more desirable, the word is is more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from the comb. We then see David start to enter a time of worship. You see, he knows that he's going to end this in prayer. And he wants to be pure in the eyes of the Lord before he prays it. We might need to pay attention to this. Amen? Look what he says in verse 12. He says, Who perceives his unintentional sins? Have y'all ever thought about your unintentional sins? He says, Who perceives his unintentional sins? Then he says, cleanse me from my hidden faults. I I know I have faults. Don't I? Is there anybody in here who thinks they don't have faults? I I I know some people who who call themselves Christians who don't think they have faults. I I know some Christians who believe that they are sinlessly perfected. Can you all believe that? He says, cleanse me from my hidden faults. That should be enough. That's that's pretty powerful. I mean, God cleansed me of my sins, my unknown sins, and, and Lord, of my faults. But he says this, moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed from blatant rebellion. David's serious, isn't he? I mean, he's giving glory to God. And before he prays, he's like, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins, my unknown sins, my known sins, the the blatant rebellion against you. God, I want to be clean in your sight before I come and I pray this prayer to you. Church, now we come to David's simple yet powerful prayer. And verse 14. He says, Because of everything David has just written because of how he had experienced the Lord, his his Lord and all that he had seen, all that he had read, because he had seen value of the Lord over wealth of the world, because David had asked forgiveness of every known and unknown sin in his life, we now hear him come with this simple yet powerful request before the Lord. Number one, he says this, May the words of my mouth, the words of my mouth, what he's saying is, Lord, help me with my mouth. Is there anybody who needs this prayer this morning? Anybody? Y'all, I got myself in trouble before I came to church this morning. I know y'all are going to find that. Karen, you find that hard to believe. Karen, Karen, Karen. You find that hard to believe that I got in trouble, don't, didn't you? I got in trouble this morning, because I said I was saying something I thought was funny, and Amy didn't think it was funny. You didn't think it was funny, did you? You, you know what I should have done? I should have thought about the words before I said them. Mike, you ever do that? I mean, I, I know you like to be funny, and you try to be funny like me sometimes, and. Do you ever say something to Kim and she's like, I don't think that's funny. Every morning? Every, every morning? Well, I'm not every morning, but every, mor- every morning? We just, we don't think sometimes before we talk, do we? And listen, especially the day that we live in, we, we want to pop off, don't we? I wanted to pop off last night, y'all. I didn't. Amy, Amy, stopped me. I think I, I just we, we, there was a, a couple that, that came into town and the, the lady's going to start a ministry here in, in the in the area and uh, they relocated and, and they wanted to go out to dinner, so we, we went to to dinner and all over Savannah you can walk in and out of the restaurants and you know what I mean, but not this restaurant. Not this. It's not a restaurant. It's a restaurant, I guess. wasn't really a fancy. But there's a a sign at the door that says, mask required to enter. And I'm thinking, that's just an old sign. No, no. No, no. You walk in the door, and while you're in the seating area, you have to. And if you don't have a mask, they'll give you a mask. Okay? And I'm thinking, what? But here's the kicker. You wear the mask right there, and you walk to your table. You walk to your table, and you sit down, and somehow the virus knows that you have sat down at the dinner table. And now it's not going to mess with you. So they let you, you, just while you're waiting, and they call your name, Waddell Party of Four, that's right. That's us. And you walk to the table, you sit down, and, and now you are free to take off your mask. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. <laughs> have they not heard what the CDC and the WHO have said? You know, I mean, it's it's you know, have they not seen the videos? Of the people who are taking those, what do they call? You know, the uh, the vapors, the, the vapes. They're they're taking vapes, and y'all've seen the people. It's nuts. Y'all don't do that stuff. They take a vape, a, a, a big. Puff of the vape, and they have a mask on, one mask, and they blow the vape, and that vapor's just. <laughs> and, and the guy says, and he puts two masks on, takes a whip of that vape vape, blows it out through the mask. And I'm thinking, man, he's proving a point. Then the dude puts on an N95 mask, takes a hit of that vape. Vapor's, I mean, it's everywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, Ricky. I'm thinking, what do these people at this restaurant know? And I look at Amy, and she was like, "Don't you even don't we're eating? I mean, I can see she's. It's it's like Paul's talking, you know, Mary Mary Beth. You know, Scripture says the universe speaks, and it doesn't say words. You know, that's we said to you. That's how Amy was last night. Don't do it." Don't do it. And the woman at the, the, the waiting area, she was like, you know, you know, I sat down in this next to this lady and, and, and she said, I think she's a masked Nazi. You better listen. I was like, Church, we need to understand as David tells us, he says, May the words of my mouth. We need to watch our words. We do. We need to think about what we say before we say them. We really do. Why? Because it affects something else. He secondly says this. He says, may the meditation of my heart. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. What what does the meditation of his heart mean? He's saying, Lord, help me to keep my heart clean. Now, understand something here with me, church. When he says, let the, let the words of my mouth, that's physically. Physically. Let the words of my mouth, this is fit. Guess who's in control of your mouth? I, I didn't mean to say, it. yeah, but you still said it. I, I, yeah, but I didn't mean it. Yeah, but you still said it. We need to make sure that our mouth is connected to our brain right? That's physical. But now he he turns and he says, may the meditation of my heart, he's saying, Lord, please keep my heart clean. That's spiritual. Two realms, physical and spiritual. Then he says this, let my words and meditation be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's saying, Lord, I need you to keep me. I, I, I Listen, I, I, what I say and what I do, I want it to be acceptable to you. Acceptable to you. What he said, I don't care if it's acceptable to the lady at the front of the, the restaurant. I don't care if it's acceptable to them. I don't care if it's acceptable to, to my, my wife. I don't care if it's I want it to be acceptable unto you. And church, listen to me. I want you to understand something. If it's acceptable unto God, guess who else it's probably going to be acceptable to? Everybody else. Everybody else. Church, is is this a prayer you feel is worthy to be prayed? Listen to it again. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Is that a prayer that you feel is worthy to be prayed? I think maybe we need to pray it. Amen. Secondly, do you have faith and trust in the Lord as David did at this moment that he wrote these words? you know, I don't believe verse 14 would have happened unless verse 1 through 13 did. What he did is he saw the universe, he saw himself, he saw. the the, the words of God, and he fell on his knees and said, Lord, God, listen, listen, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Church, is your confidence so solid in the Lord that you know that he can do what David is asking him to do? Could could you imagine? I mean, there were times where I'm sure the Lord was just like, golly, David, man, you did it again? D- David, come on, man. You, you said it again. David, I, you, you need to poke your left eye out because it's messing up your right eye. It's messing your whole body. David, come on, man. David, how many more wives do you need, man? I, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's some things in David's life that God was just like, okay. But then he comes to this prayer, butch, and he's just like, okay. He, he's He's back. When David bends his knees and says, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God was just like, hey, there he is. Church, do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? If you don't, you can know him right now. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. our father in heaven lord jesus we come to you during this time of invitation this is your invitation and lord we pray right now that if there's somebody here who wants a closer walk with you that they'll spend this time right now just come down and kneel before you and do as david did lord we pray that If there's somebody in our midst this morning who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that they, your spirit, would give them the ability to walk the aisle and see what Scripture says each person must must do to be born again. (coughs) Help us to understand, God, that it's not a denominational thing, it's not a Catholic thing, a a Pentecostal thing, a, a Presbyterian thing, a Baptist thing. What you ask us to do is a biblical Christian thing and that's to accept you as their personal Savior. So Lord, if there's somebody here who needs to do that this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide them to come down and let me show them what Scripture says each one of us need to be done. Please bless this time of invitation, Lord Jesus. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come and spend some time with the Lord? The altar is open for you. Will you come?